You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Um, and I want to preach on the thought this evening of what not to wear. What not to wear. And uh, some of y'all really need this message, I'm telling you. I'm expecting the altar to be full at the end of the message tonight. Uh, what not to wear. Have you ever uh, seen someone wear something they just ought not to wear? Uh, you know, I'm afraid that if somebody's to be honest tonight, that they, you might be sitting here thinking, I've seen that before, Pastor, and it was you, you know, I mean, just should not wear that. Uh, I shouldn't share this one, but I will, because uh, that's what I do. Uh, I remember uh, back, uh, been a couple months ago, and one of the other guys were preaching, and I came in on a Wednesday, and I had on my gray pants and my white belt and uh, my pink uh, pullover shirt, and uh, Melanie, uh, she was kind of calling me out on what she felt like was a what-not-to-wear moment. Uh, and she did point out that that was Pride Month that particular month, and she kind of, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, maybe you wore something before that you just ought not to wear. Uh, you, have you ever wore something, uh, maybe yourself, that you shouldn't have wore? Or have you ever wore something that you thought was clean, and then you're out somewhere and you're like, something smells. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's my shirt. You know, or you've gone out and you've had, uh, you know, uh, pants or something and you thought it's okay. And all of a sudden you find out you have a hole in your clothes somewhere. You know, just these what not to wear moments. Uh, and so uh, we, we've all had these things. I remember a couple years ago I was, I was grilling and I was wearing a cap and I was grilling uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. And when I say grilling, I mean, it means there's, um, you know, some kind of charcoal, something actually burning involved besides... Uh, propane as far as I'm concerned so with that you got a little extra smoke and there's burgers and dogs and then I've got onions and peppers on the grill and uh, whatever and just a delicious meal uh, well the next morning I went to work and I kept smelling onions and smoky peppers and and that's not a great smell at six o'clock in the morning and I kept thinking, and I'm like, what in the world? But I was wearing that same cap, and so I was going around, and it probably, sent, it probably seemed, smelled like I had horrible B.O., right? Uh, but it was just my ball cap. Uh, but so you have these different what-not-to-wear moments, and, uh, and that's kind of what the Bible is t- talking about here in Colossians chapter 3 tonight, what-not-to-wear. Uh, in, in Colossians 3, verse 8, notice what the Bible says. But now ye also put off all these. Put off all these. The the phrasing that's used right there, the image is meant to convey that of taking off clothing, taking on something that you have put on. Put off these. Take this off. What you need not wear. Here's what you need to take off. Here's what you uh, are not to wear. All right? And here it goes, put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and there again, taken it off, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So 
I just want to tell you, there's some things that just don't look good on you. I hate to be the one to have to tell you this, but you just don't wear it very well. And if you're a Christian, there's some things that we ought not be wearing. There's, some, uh, there's, there's th this anger, these things that he's mentioning right here, they just don't look good on you. You just cannot make it work. No matter how hard you try, you just can't make it work. Because it doesn't work, it doesn't look good on the child of God. The picture here, again, is of someone who is changing clothes, putting off and putting on. Now, the, one of the very first impressions we get is going back to the beginning of the chapter. You remember what the Bible says in verse 1? If you then be risen with Christ. You remember what Jesus left behind when he rose again? He left his grave clothes behind. He left his grave clothes behind. Do you remember when Lazarus was raised up from the dead? The very first thing Jesus said when Lazarus came forth was, Loose him and let him go. Get those old grave clothes off of him. And as God's people, we need to get the old man, those old grave clothes off that belong to our former life. We need to put off these things and we need to put on Christ. You see, last week we closed by looking at, you know, what we think of, of some of the worst sins, fornication, evil concupiscence, covetousness, idolatry, and a, a number of these things. But now he gets to some sins that are commonly accepted among God's people and shouldn't be. In other words, he's saying, if you then be risen with Christ, if you are risen with Christ, the idea is that we ought to be practicing our position. We need to be living like the people of God. Now, the challenge to this is that He's telling us to put it off, which says that we put it on. We've developed some of these habits over the years. And it's a really interesting thing when you think about habit. Our sinful habits are stained and tattered clothing. And it's interesting, when you look up the word habit, the first definition is a behavior or pattern that's acquired by frequent repetition, a habit. Somebody says it takes 40 days to, to uh, um, develop a habit. But B is this. Check this out. Clothing, particularly a costume characteristic of a calling, rank, or function. For instance, a writing, ha a writing habit is a costume sometimes worn when horseback riding. So a habit can actually refer to what you wear that's appropriate for something you're doing. And when you see somebody wearing these things, um, you know, I remember, for instance, when I first uh, moved to South Dakota, I remember I got a lot of advice, and, and I appreciate advice, I really do. Uh, and, and, and I say that in all sincerity before I uh, facetiously say, especially the kind you don't ask for, you know. Um, but, uh, but I remember a guy telling me, oh, you're going out there to South Dakota, you're going out west, the first thing you need to do is get you some Wrangler blue jeans and some cowboy boots and uh, a bolo tie and all that. And, uh, and you, you know the guy, and, and seriously, if that's the style you like and, that, and you want to wear that, that's cool. But I'm like, dude, I don't ride horses. I'm not going to pretend to be a cowboy. I'm not a cowboy. I'm not going to put on something that's not really representative of what I do. And again, if that's just your style, uh, that's uh, a different story. But the point is, that's, that's considered a habit, actually, under the definition. Let me tell you something. The Bible's saying that we need to put off the old man. 
So what that implies is that we often, we often are wearing the old man. We do put the old man on. And when the, when the Bible speaks of the old man, understand this, that when you get saved by the grace of God, the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. You're made brand new in Him. So that's called the new man. So there's a part of you and I, the spiritual side, that's been awakened by God that's brand new, a brand new creature in Christ. But all of us still have our old sinful nature as well. So now we, have a, we actually have a dual nature that's fighting against. We've got the sinful nature that wants to go one way. We've got, we got the, the new divine nature that wants to go in a different way. What do we do? God says, take off those old garments. Take off those old habits. Just like you'd strip off a piece of clothing, strip off these old habits. Take it off. There are some things that you ought not to be wearing as a child of God. The old sinful nature is a vile wardrobe. It's a nasty wardrobe. And we should not be seen wearing these things. You know, we ought to have the attitude is I, that, that I will not be caught dead in that. I would, or you ever look at some things and think, I would never wear that. I wonder, if, you know, I wonder if Ronnie Hunt's ever said that about skinny jeans, you know. I will not be caught dead in a pair of skinny jeans uh, or whatever. Well, uh, that, that's the way we ought to feel about some of these other things. That's something I will not wear. I appreciate uh, 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 Connie, Connie Bledsoe, and man, she, she, she had a cutting uh, wit to her, for those of you that remember, uh, and pray for her. She's in, uh, in, in, in Holy Spirit, I believe, right now, but she, uh, she would come to me and she'd say, oh, I love that paisley tie. She said, you know what, those were in style, when I, that was in style when I was younger. She said, you know what, I bet if you keep wearing it, it's going to come back in style. <laughs> Just with the straightest face ever. Uh, but uh, there's, <laughs> there's uh, some things that we need to watch when it comes to our wardrobe, all right? So notice first of all, and we're going to try to go through these very practical lesson tonight. The very first thing he mentions here is wrath. He mentions anger. He mentions anger. Put off what? Anger, wrath, malice, okay? So we're going to look at these three first of all. The old man, I want to say, has something for every occasion, all right? So the first thing we see is the feeling of anger. The first habit mentioned is anger. This anger that's mentioned right here, when the Bible says put off anger, this is a habitual anger. You know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, with an angry man thou shalt not go. Don't follow, don't fall in with an angry person. Um, but the Bible says this, this, this means a habitual anger. This is the settled, habitual anger that makes some people so difficult to live with, work with. It makes them lash out at whoever offends them. And it includes, within its scope, the deliberate planning of revenge. If this describes you, you need to take it off. You need to strip this off and say, you know what, not wearing it. Because I want to tell you, honey, it don't look good on you. It just doesn't look good on you. Uh, but not only is it anger, we see the feeling of anger, but then the flash of anger. The Bible says not only is there the, uh, the anger, but it's wrath. This is the flash of anger. The feeling of anger, the flash of anger. This anger blazes out all of a sudden. Anybody? I am not an angry person, 
But I'm telling you, so the first one doesn't, I don't struggle with as much, but this is one that I can struggle with. The blazing all of a sudden. The Holy Spirit uses the word wrath here. The word suggests the boiling up of hot temper in sudden violent rage. It happens to us suddenly. We explode, sometimes even to the surprise of ourselves. Any of you deal with that wrath? Anger, so anger, put it off. If you're the person that's just habitually angry and everybody's like, oh, there's anger, you know, you just know this person's mad all the time, you need to take that off. But if you're the, the nice, cool, calm guy like me that all of a sudden just freaks out uh, out of nowhere and then I'm back to normal again, we need to put that off too. Uh, wrath, this flash of anger. This happened to Moses. Uh, Moses exhibited this flash temper when he smote the rock after God told him to speak to it. At the time, he was utterly exasperated with the children of Israel. Because here we go. When, we, when God starts telling us to put off anger, put off wrath, we get our excuses, don't we? Moses said, you don't understand these people are driving me crazy. God said, I don't care, you're not going to Canaan's land. There's consequences for this kind of anger. Uh, he exploded. He is known to be the meekest man in the Bible besides Christ himself. But he sp spoke angrily and struck out with his rod. That flash temper cost him dearly. And it often will. Uh, for those, I, I heard something years ago with this being more of my type of anger. That uh, years ago that helped me. Because for one thing, they said, you know, for the people that make excuses. Oh, I go off every once in a while, but I'm fine after that. Uh, well, how would you feel if you live next door to a volcano that just went off every once in a while? Right? How would you feel about that? Uh, I mean, probably not too great, right? Well, you say, preacher, that's different. And you're right that it's different because... Us losing it and flying off the handle can do a lot more damage than a volcano can do to our children, to our families, to our testimonies. Especially if you lose it and, we'll, and then it leads to one of these other ones because then it talks about filthy communication in a minute. If you lose it and then you lose control of what you're saying, what you're doing. Anybody ever hit something that got so mad? You know, you ever one of them people? Uh, you kick something, hit something, punch something. Uh, man, put it off. And, and, and don't brag about it. I mean, uh, understand that, you know, that you can take that off. And, that, and that's the implication here, is that through the power of the Spirit of God, I'll emphasize this just again in a minute, but there's the feeling of anger, the flash of anger, and then malice, the fostering of anger. The fostering of anger. The word malice suggests malignity. In other words, the desire to injure. You just want to see somebody get hurt, or you just want to hurt somebody, or uh, something to that nature. It, it, it leads to wanting to see injury. The person with malice, this is the type of person that nurses grudges against other people. There's a lot that could be said. Believe me, there's message after message that could be preached about anger. And you say, preacher, doesn't the Bible say be angry and sin not? Yes, it does. But you can't lose it at work or at home because, you know, you got an argument with your wife or you, whatever it might be. Punch the cabinet and say, well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. 
And you can't lose it and go, go up some kind of cussing streak and then say, well, the Bible's... I mean, give me a break. Be angry and sin not. We ought to be angry about innocent babies being killed. We ought to be angry about Christians being killed. We ought to be angry about some of the stuff going on in our country. We really should. Um, but the, the be angry and sin not, the type of anger that leads into trouble, listen to this. Moses was angry because he felt like he wasn't being treated right. It was about him. Usually our anger, the source of it is selfishness. I'm not being treated right is what Moses felt like. He felt like his uh, brothers and sisters should have understood what he was doing. You can read that in Acts 7.25. If we get angry quickly or easily, we can do foolish things. Uh, man, I, I tell you, man, I, have, you ever been, have you ever tried that count to 10 business? You might have to count to 20 or more. But I'm telling you, before you react, before you say something, uh, man, you better be careful because you can say and do some stupid things when you are angry. Um, and so, uh, a lot of times it comes from uh, feeling like we're not being understood. Somebody said it this way. Oh, well, this, this also. We get angry. We get angry and think we're right because in our pride we think we're special and doing something special which was Moses' deal. Proverbs 14, 17. I'm not going to give you all these references. Anger is a strong emotion of irritation or agitation that occurs when, we, when a need or expectation is not met. A need or an expectation is not met, and so we get angry. Um, and there's a lot to be said tonight about anger. If nothing else, if you deal with anger, I do not have the expectation here tonight that you're going to leave here after a few minutes of preaching about anger and you're just saying, okie dokie, got it. But I hope that this can maybe be a starting point for you to, at the very least, quit making excuses for it. Quit making excuses of it. I know some people that are proud about it, which just stinks, uh, but... Own it and start trying to look for help. Start doing a Bible study. Look up what the Bible says about anger. And, uh, and again, i got a lot of verses here I could refer you to. Sometimes our anger is kind of in a self-defense uh, type of thing. Uh, when our expectations that aren't met lead to anger, sometimes they stir up strife. And this is where people start fussing, fighting, bad attitudes, murmuring and complaining. Uh, and it causes sin to abound. When we think of ourselves and let ourselves feel justified in our anger, then we stir up strife. The Bible says you need to take it off. Take it off. You shouldn't be wearing that, all right? Uh, another one I want to show you real quickly here. Not only anger, uh, not only do we see wrath, but we see words. Words. You talk about... There's a lot said in the Bible about anger. There's even more said about words. What else do you need to take off? What else should you not wear? Blasphemy, filthy communication, and don't lie. The word blasphemy right there, these are words that defame. When I say blasphemy, tell me what you think of. Blasphemy against God. That's not the direct reference here. There is a such thing as blasphemy against God, and that would fall into the category, but there's also talking about blasphemy among ourselves. These are words that defame. These are, this, this, is, this is slander. Um, 
Anybody know what the word devil actually means? Anybody remember? I'm actually asking because I'm forgetting. Amen. But, but I'm pretty sure it means accuser. And you can double check me on this. And I believe Satan means slanderer. In both cases, there's a bunch of devils in churches today. Because there's people that slander other people. There's people that defame other people. It's become a part of our culture anymore. That's like just what people do. But blasphemy, it's slander, it's speaking to detract from another's reputation. It's something that injures a person's good name. <laughs> you want to know when this, this blasphemy, this, this defamation often uh, occurs? When we, are, when we encounter someone who seems to be better than us in any way. Girls, ladies, what about, you ever seen this at school? You ever seen this at work? Some, you know, maybe, maybe in your peer group, you've been, I'm trying to think of a better way than saying hot chick. Uh, you've been the best looking one, you know, you've been the one that everybody, and then all of a sudden some new girl comes in and you see another girl and what do they do? They start trying to pick apart. Oh, yeah, but look how she looks. Here. Look at this or that. I mean, it could be, it could be in athletics. It could be uh, in any field whatsoever. And people try to bring people down to uh, defame them, to put them down. Uh, put it off. Don't do it. It doesn't look good. Don't blaspheme people. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in running people down. I mean, uh, listen, uh, when... When, when somebody, I tell you, there, there's something, I, there's a good song I remember from years ago, and it went something like this. It said, uh, it said, go and tell Jesus on me. When my faults and failures you see, if you are my brother, don't go tell another, go and tell Jesus on me. If I've got something that needs to be said about you that's a problem, by the grace of God, I'm going to tell Jesus about it. And I mean it. Go tell Jesus on me. Go say, Jesus, preacher, just that our pastor, you know, A, B, and C needs to be right, or, or he should have done this, or should have done Go tell Jesus on me. And if, and if that's not good enough for you, come talk to me. But one of the things, by the grace of God, that we do not do, and one of the reasons, man, some of the, one of the things we're on guard on in this church, and God's blessed us so much, is we're not running each other down. We're not having it. I don't want to hear it. Um, not interested, no thank you, uh, defaming one another. Uh, and so he says, don't defame. He talks about these words. You need to take that off. In other words, don't say it. Words that defame, take and put each other down. We just do not want to do that. Uh, something else we don't want to do, uh, and we've got to be careful about this, jealousy can arise in all of our hearts, right? One of the things that we started off, Last week, in looking at some of these verses, was we talked about the fact that these base desires lie within us all. Every one of us are subject to want to defame someone else, blaspheme someone else, put somebody else down. But by God's grace, we ought not do it. Uh, especially not, and, and, and I, I thought about this too the other day. I used to hear this a lot. And by the grace of God, again, I, we, we've been blessed, but we've got to stay on guard. I know, have you ever known people that, uh, there, there's the old saying, you know, people that go home for Sunday dinner and have roasted preacher, you know. Uh, 
and, uh, and, and, and mashed pastor's wife. Yeah, and, and, and that's just what, that's the topic of dinner, is how terrible the preacher is, and how this and that and the other thing. And then they wonder, as their little kids are sitting here listening to this stuff, and this preacher is the one that's up there trying to tell them something out of the Word of God, they wonder why they, that those kids want nothing to do with what that preacher's saying. See, because parents, they, they may not feel it to the extent that they're talking it, but if you are a defamer, if you're a blasphemer, if you like to put other people down, saved, lost, whatever it is, God help us not to put each other down. Put it off! It doesn't look good on you, child of God. So words that defame, hey, this, this gets right down where you're living, doesn't it? Uh, words that defame, words that defile. Words that defile. Notice what it goes on to say. It says, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. This means obscene language. It means foul speech. It means coarse humor. The Bible says in Colossians 4 verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Salt is a symbol of purity, and grace and purity go together. Seasoned with grace. Grace seasoned with salt. So don't be a person, you say, I mean, don't, don't have obscene language. Avoid coarse humor. I mean, put these things off. Foul speech. Uh, I don't know why people think, you know, and, and some people are like, man, well, I, 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 you know, I, I'm a man. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to talk like a man. I'm like, You're, so what, dude? You can get in there and talk just like everybody else does. How about being different and trying to use some words that actually use some kind of thought uh, instead of just these uh, ridiculous fillers? But words that defile, put it off. But he goes on to say not only words that uh, defile, words that defame, but also words that defraud. Words that defraud. Verse 9, lie not one to another. The Bible says that all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire. The lie is the idiom of Satan's language. Lying has become a way of life for millions of people. Children lie to their parents. Um, businessmen lie to each other. They lie to their customers. And I'm not talking about every child. I'm not talking about every businessman. You understand that. Big government routinely lies to the public. The communists, they used a technique, and they still use this technique, but uh, in Russia especially, they called it the big lie that they would use to destroy people uh, whom they hated or feared. Their philosophy was, if you tell a lie big enough and often enough, people will eventually believe it. That same philosophy lies behind modern propaganda. We see it all the time. Christian, uh, Christians sometimes tell lies. And it ought not to be the case. The Bible says Satan is a liar. Jesus said Satan's a liar, and he says he's the father of lies. Lying in Christianity, it just needs to be taken off. We ought not to wear it. Uh, it doesn't look good. Don't be a liar. It's easy to lie, is it not? It ought not be easy to lie. Do you ever get put on the spot and you lie? If you ask me what time it is right now and I said it's, it's uh, 8 o'clock, I wouldn't be lying to you if I just looked down and 
didn't read my clock right or I was just guessing. That's not a lie. A lie has the intentions. And so here's something you don't understand about a lie. A lie is any, mes- any misrepresentation of the truth. I'll say that again. Any misrepresentation of the truth is a lie. Even if the words are accurate. You ever do that? Uh, kids are good at it, right? But kids, kids, we think kids are good at it. Then adults, man, we're experts at it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be asked if we did something. You know, oh, well, I, I, I didn't... Uh, you know, what is it? Some, uh, did, did you drive? You know, as you ask a kid, did, did, did you drive over to so-and-so's today? I, I absolutely did not drive over to so-and-so's today. Did I ride with somebody else and hang out there all day? Yeah. But I did not drive there. Absolutely not. You're a liar. You're a liar. Because lying is any misrepresentation of the truth. Listen to this. The tone of voice, the look on the face, or a gesture of the hand can alter the meaning of a sentence. Lying is about the motive of the heart. Um, And so there's an old, old proverb that says, half a fact is a whole lie. And again, this can be easy for any of us to fall into. Um, I can remember, I'll give you an example of a lie that I told once. How about that? No, I don't want to do that, but maybe I will. <laughs> I'm a bad person. Y'all pray for me, and I'm your pastor, amen? But uh, there's some people like, I want to hear this one. But, but no, it's, it's just like this, okay? Uh, so I'm at work, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe the boss comes up, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just did something on a piece of equipment that's uh, illegal to do, but... I can operate this piece of equipment, I can do this right, uh, but you're not supposed to do this particular thing. And so the boss or somebody that's going to go tell on me to the boss, so don't you love those people? I hope you're not a tattletale, my goodness. Now there, there's, listen, and by the way, tattletaling, there's a difference between tattletaling and reporting, okay? Uh, I, you, th- th- we need to teach this to our kids, okay? What, and a lot of times it's motive. I'll just give this to you about tattletellers, okay? If, I, I told it this way. I told it this way. If, if you know that a friend of yours is doing something that's not right and that's harmful to them, you're not tattletelling when you go say, hey, I'm concerned about so-and-so. They've been drinking or they've been going to these parties. You big tattletale, no, I, I'm really concerned about you. But when you're just doing it, it almost falls into the defaming category. Ooh, so-and-so just did this, and then they just get, sit back in glee to watch their brother or sister get in trouble or their coworker. okay? So I, I say that to say that uh, this tattletale would come to me, but whatever the case may be. And so they come to me and they say, did you just put that piece of equipment in there and, and pull the pallet out that way? Huh, that doesn't sound like me. (laughs) That doesn't sound like something I would do. (laughs) Did I lie? Uh, Well, I I didn't tell them I didn't do it, but I lied. Because I'm deceiving them. Every word I said, well, not every word I said because that does sound like something I would do, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, 
These are the type of lies that you can get into. Um, and so, um, put off lying, defiling, okay? And then I'll, uh, I'll close uh, with this illustration and one final five points. Just kidding, okay? Um, in 1665, there was a thing going around called the Great Plague. Um, and, you know, in, 16, in, in, in the 1600s, if, you're, if you know the story, people didn't understand what was going on. And they didn't understand a lot of the basic principles of hygiene that we understand today. By the way, had they read the Bible, they would have understood some of those principles, actually. If they would have read and understood what the Bible says in the Old Testament. But that's a whole other story. Um, but they didn't. And so they were pretty blind. They were pretty ignorant about how to handle this. So among the, thing, among the errors they made is that when someone would die of the plague, it was not uncommon for them to share that person's clothing with friends and family. Or in an in a act of hospitality, can you imagine a, a, a family that's a little bit better off, a little bit wealthier, uh, dying of the plague? They might literally take the clothes off of this person's body and then donate them to the poor. And, uh, yeah, no, there, there's no dry cleaning. I mean, it's just like, and can you imagine the excitement? Wow, look, we're getting some new duds. But now, knowing what you know, can you imagine getting what looks like a nice new outfit, putting that thing on, and then learning, wait a second, this has the plague on it. How would you, I mean, wouldn't you be like, oh, my gosh, you'd trip that, ah! You'd get it off with everything you've got. But it's a shame for us, because that's exactly everything I've talked about tonight. That's exactly the way we need to be stripping it off. But you know what we do if we're not careful? You're over there with your lies. Don't mess with my coat, man. What you doing? You're over there with your anger. There he is picking on my... I, I can be angry. If I, I got a right to be angry. Like, dude, you've got the plague on you, man. Are you serious? You need to get this off, man. You need to take this off of you. And the good news is, you don't just take something off. The Bible says you've got something to put on. And we'll talk about that next week. But the Bible says to put on Christ. I've been saying it several times throughout the message and I'm glad I did because I wasn't able to get to it preaching-wise, but I'll just read that last verse. You, you have put on. It doesn't even tell you to put on. You put him on. You have put on the new man, which is renewed, which is a constant thing, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. If you're saved by the grace of God, you've put on Christ. The problem is, is we keep covering Him up with this kind of stuff. See, we need to put this off because the new man is being renewed. It's a daily thing. That God is trying to cre recreate us every day in the image of His Son. Which goes back to the principle that we find in 1 John 4 when the Bible says, No man hath seen God any time. 
But the Bible says that if we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. Which is to say that we can be representatives, just like Jesus Christ represented God the Father when He walked on this earth. You and I are supposed to represent Jesus Christ as we live our daily lives. But we can't do that if we are, if, if we are being defiled and wearing the wrath and wearing the wrong words and living in the wrong way. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Did He tell you to put it off? Guess what? He's going to give you the power to put it off if you ask Him. Anybody have anger issues? Anybody habitually just an angry person? Anyone struggle with wrath and blow up? Anybody struggle with your words? We all do, honestly. Do we not? I would love to sit up here today and just be like, folks, I, from what I understand, some of you folks struggle with these things. But I can't do that. I could, but then I'd be lying, and I'd be guilty of the other thing. Amen? I already told you I lied. Um, but this is, this is just right down where we're living. If he tells us to put it off, we can put it off. Amen? In the short term, kids, lying seems like it's the easy route sometimes. And I say kids, adults. Man, it's a whole lot better just to tell the truth. Amen? It's a whole lot better to t tell the truth. Can I add just one other little thing about being nice here, about our words? Will you please not be one of those people that says, Preacher, I think your preaching is horribly terrible. I think you're extremely ugly. Uh, I don't like your face. I'm just being honest. Oh, okay. Or maybe even better than that, no offense. Oh, well, thanks for throwing that in there, pal. I'm just being honest. Didn't you tell me not to lie? <laughs> Shut up, I tell you. Darn it, I did it again. He called me out on the wrath, and then I wrathed on him. Amen. All right. Let's all stand. Uh,